Are you ready for another anointed time? Mm. Praise God. Really, really appreciate and did want to share that. I know Terry and I were just so blessed that so many of you would come out in the afternoons. Really, I mean, I wanted to uh, ring Pavlov's dog's bell. Pastor David was saying, you know, you're here on purpose. That makes a different environment. And you're, not only are your ears open to receive, but it enables us as ministers to say m- more fitted to that purpose. You know, sometimes you, you, Paul talked about it. I wanted to, to, to teach more, but you were not able. Boy, it's good to be in a group where you can say, I, I, I can preach till I'm empty because you were able. Amen. So with... Zachary's gracefulness in uh, being quick and brief, even though it may, not, may have been motivated by greed, the, uh, <laughs> not really, uh, we have a little bit, of, I told David we got 15 extra minutes, he's ready to go, so we're going to invite him without any further ado to bless us uh, on these laws and principles and fundamentals of faith. Hallelujah. Thank you, brother. Hallelujah. I'm so blessed you're here. Amen. Amen. Okay, go. I thought I had something in my gut. Years and years and years ago, when Brother Jerry Savelle started working with Brother Copeland, that used to be, Jerry was it. I mean, he was the sound guy and the product guy and the, the everything. And he would, uh, one of his jobs was to start the, the recorder at the beginning of the message. So he, Kenneth, would, there for a period of a number of years, Kenneth would look over, turn me on, Jerry. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Glory to God. Can I do, can, can, can I make an, okay. Welcome, Adriel. Oh, there he is. Glory to God. I was so hoping that I would get to see you during this conference. Praise God. Go ahead, Dale. Very polite and suave. Did you see how he did that? Adriel, get up here. <laughs> Oh, Adriel the angel? Well, everybody, this is Adriel. Adriel, this is everybody. <clears throat> now, Adriel, through the providence of the Lord uh, and through the influence and wisdom of, of Jay, why don't you come up here? That's right. We've got to get him, too. Now, I just want to introduce you because... Uh, God always uses people, right? He has angels, but he uses men and women. And uh, we were dealing with a war at the very earliest stages last year. And we knew what we wanted to do and how, but we weren't sure where and who. and, And we brought in our first 10 men team. And we're able to empower Pastor Vitali in Odessa. Well, parallel to all that, Adriel was over there because he has a background in medicine and uh, basically got kidnapped, seconded by some idiots, and then got out of that mess. And while his companions at the time all left, I believe they all left. Didn't we, we we came we came back into the country one more time for a week, and then we. Well, then Adriel ended up in Odessa because his cousin. Cousin and a half. I don't know what cousin and a half is. 
His dad's my first cousin. All right, somewhere back by Noah, they're related. <laughs> and uh, uh, we needed the position filled that we didn't even know existed. And Adriel just planted a flag and for over a year has been faithfully serving Armada in Odessa, secured a wonderful warehouse through which tons of supply has flowed and over $2 million of humanitarian aid has made it into the hands of very needy people. And on top of that, he has accompanied numerous trips with the church, both to villages, to the front lines, equipping uh, uh, soldiers that are in need. And in addition, uh, by the leading of the Holy Ghost, started a Stop the Bleed program, got favor with the police department with over 5,000 police officers and is certifying policemen all because God had him at the right place at the right time, and we, on behalf of Armada, are very, very thankful. Yes. Amen. And uh, David met, met, well, no, let, me, let this is where it gets really funny. So I tell David, yeah, Adriel's coming up with these guys, and, and he's been working with us at that time for a year. And then David realizes, I've never even met him. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I'd had numerous phone calls and text messages, but I never met the fellow until we met there in uh, uh, Kiev. Yeah, in Kiev. And so, isn't God's methods just glorious? Hallelujah. So thank you, brother. Thank you. You want to say anything, David? You, it was in your heart. I didn't know when you got anything. I figured you might. Yeah. No, David came over with me to to teach in the pastor's retreat, and Adriel brought Jay and Bob up from Odessa so they could be a part of what was happening in the Kiev retreat, and uh, also to bring a few things together with Pastor Vitali. Yeah, I, I realize all that sounds confusing, uh, but it's all good. Amen. It's all good. Probably why David admires Adriel so much is that band of brothers feeling. And when we've all experienced Jay's snoring, it creates a special bond. It's a bond beyond words. <laughs> all right, go sit in. Oh, you want to say something? You can say something. We don't, we don't want to... <laughs> Yeah, you'll get your chance. Next, Armada. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. I believe, do I understand, sir, that the, the outlines are out there? Yes, they are. The outlines, if you didn't get one, the outlines that I told you yesterday that I would have, they're out there on the table if you'd like. Now would be the time to get one if you want to follow along, or you can just get one afterwards, whichever you prefer. <laughs> and if they're gone, Dale says we'll print more. I'm not starting my clock till they get back, though. See, it wasn't, I don't, I don't think Zach's was out of a selfish motivation. I think it was out of a benevolent motivation to give me the time so that it do, you don't start deducting. See? Now all I need is 45 more minutes and I'll be pretty <laughs> <laughs> Glory to God. Thank you all for 
welcoming me, being so kind and expressing the love of God, and just being. Father, I thank you for this another opportunity. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you once again the oracles, the mystery, and to bring revelation to every individual, even above and beyond what I say. You know exactly what they need to hear. So I'm asking you, sir, to make sure that every individual within the sound of my gets exactly what they need, what they desire, and what you would have. Amen, amen. Amen. Oh. <clears throat> okay. So, I'm going to revisit a few things because I went a little faster. And so, I'm going to... Now that I know I had, I didn't even know, I didn't know I was going to have one session. Then I didn't know I was going to have a second session to finish things up with. And so now we're just going to take our time on some things and go back over a few things. Plus, David, David has messed me up. No, he didn't mess me up. He inspired me, and the Lord spoke up a couple things during his message while I was sitting there. And I had to go back and get a little clarity as to whether I was just all fired up and excited or whether the Lord actually wanted me to uh, address a couple things and so deal with a couple things there as well. And so we're just going to have a good time. We're going to let the, the Holy Spirit teach and let the Word reveal itself. So to recap, we're going over the fundamentals of faith. For those of you who may not... Is there anybody that wasn't here yesterday? Okay. All right. Well, we talked about the fact that what, you're, what you see when you're watching like the, the uh, Super Bowl or the World Series are simply masters of the fundamentals of the game. The fundamental principles are the same whether you're talking about a 10-year-old football player out there learning the game or whether you're talking about an NFL player that's competing in the Super Bowl. The fundamentals of the game are the same. It just depends on the development and the perfection of those fundamentals. Well, so we're talking about being strong in faith. As Dave talked about earlier, that faith is a spiritual substance. It's quantifiable. It's measurable. The Bible talks about no faith. It talks about little faith. It talks about great faith. It talks about weak faith. It talks about strong faith. It talks about fake faith. Do you know that? Do you know there's a fake faith? Jesus, or, uh, Paul commended Timothy uh, because he talked about unfeigned faith. That's fake. Not fake, actually. Feigned is fake. Unfeigned is the real deal. So there's all these different quantities of faith. And in order to become stronger in faith, you perfect the fundamentals. And so yesterday, we began going back over the fundamentals of faith. And so to refresh your memory if you weren't here, I mean if you were here, and to let you know if you weren't here and you have the, the outline there, number one, believe it in your heart and then say it with your mouth. And we spent quite some considerable time looking up scriptures about speaking words of faith. And Dave talked about it also during his session this morning. It's a fundamental. You just can't talk about faith unless you're going to talk about words and releasing your faith with words and the value of words all the time. And a lot of people 
they think about they 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 think about major things like oh you know it's been taught long enough now that most everybody in this room would probably shudder to think about saying well that just thrills me to death you know that just that's that's pretty well out of our vocabulary but what about things like I'm telling you, I always forget to close the door when I go out. Well, you're always going to forget to close the door when you go out. If you keep saying There's a this hilarious story. When Jesse Duplantis started traveling and doing motorcycle rides with Kenneth and Happy Caldwell, and, and they had their little riding group. They used to go on motorcycle rides all the time. And uh, Jesse, they all had motorcycles, and they stopped at a hotel for the night, and, and Jesse didn't have a custom bike cover. He had one that came with the Goldwing. Now, a Goldwing motorcycle cover made by Goldwing, you gotta, it's like putting socks on a chicken. I mean, it's, it is horrible to try to put that cover on a Goldwing. And Jesse fought and fought and fought and fought and fought. Finally got the cover on the thing, and they're getting ready to go into the hotel. And he said, oh, man, I forgot my wallet in the trunk. I always do that. And Kenneth said, well, you always will, as long as you say that. Jesse said, oh, man, this negative confession stuff is killing me. <laughs> I'm telling you, Kenneth and, and Jerry Savelle just fell to the ground laughing. I mean, it's just, they just lost it. But it's the things like that. Do you call it a stoplight or a traffic light? It's green just as much as it is red. I just soon it was green when I get there. So I don't say even I don't even stop at traffic light. I'm going down here at the green light. And I'm going to turn left. <laughs> at least I'm trying to train myself that way. But how many of the little things like that do we say? And when it gets to the place where it's something automatic that you say without thinking, oh man. Now you're living it. It's <laughs> out of the abundance of the heart of the mouth will speak. Glory to God. And so one of the things that I want that, that, that rose up inside me this morning while I was sitting there, can anybody tell me what Psalm 103 talks about, uh, where it talks about the angels? It says, yeah, you know, most people will tell you that it says the angels hearken unto the word of God. It's not what it says says they hearken. Now remember, we're not dealing with Jacob's ladder anymore. Hebrews 1 says they've all been sent forth to minister for us. It doesn't say minister to us. Minister for us. This is one of the most, it, right now, right here, in this day and age, this is one of the most underutilized things in the body of Christ is the ministry of our angels. We must start purposefully putting them to work on a more regular basis. But they hearken unto the voice of the Word of God. And I'm sitting there and the Lord showed me a wonderful example of it in the Word. Turn to Matthew chapter 4. And this, uh, Dave was teaching on this this morning and the Lord put this together for me when Matthew chapter 4 in verse 3 you there 
Matthew chapter 4, verse 3, When the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these t- stones be made to bread. Now, what was the essence of Dave's teaching on this? How did, how did Jesus defeat Satan in this time of temptation? It is written. It is written. He spoke the word. Look at verse 11. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. They hearkened to the voice of the word he spoke. I had never made that connection before. But they did in Jesus' life just exactly what Psalm 103 said they would do. He spoke the word, and the angels came and ministered. Great of God. That just, I just, you have no idea how close your message came to being interrupted. <laughs> I mean, the Lord, I was sitting right there, and the Lord made that connection for me, and I like to jump off the seat, man. Yeah. And that's what, and that's what they do for us, too, when we speak the word. Expect it. Expect it. Exercise your faith for it. Glory to God. That's number one. Okay. The second one that he told me to include will be here in just a little bit. (laughs) I want to talk to you. Remember, we talked about uh, point number two. Faith will not work in an unforgiving heart. And we went to Mark 11.25, and then we went... we talked about Galatians 5, 6, where it talks about faith which worketh by love. Now I want to go ahead and take the time to turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> now this is one of the times my spiritual father taught me, and it just it helped me tremendously. Especially as a teacher, you know, you want to dig around, like, like you said this morning, you want to dig around and do word studies and, and look at the Greek and the Hebrew and the everything you can find, which is good. Uh, And I enjoy doing that. And my spiritual father spoke up one day and he reminded me, he said, now, uh, don't forget, you can get revelation from the English too. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) And so this is one of those times. I'm going to read this one verse out of the King James and we're going to talk about it a little bit. And then... I'm going to go back. We're going to read some more out of the Amplified Classic version of the Bible. Verse 32 of Ephesians chapter 4. And be you kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Talking about, remember, a forgiving heart. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Now I'm going to stop here. Christ is one of the words in the Bible that every single time you see it, it will benefit, benefit you to take a few minutes to stop, translate it, and then meditate it. Because Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ means, it's actually the Greek translation of the, word, of the, of the Hebrew word Messiah. But it means the anointed one and the anointing with which the anointed one is anointed with. Okay? Now, it can actually be used 
interchangeably. You have, to, you have to get a little bit from context to find out which has more weight on it, the person or the anointing. For example, most people quote Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But that's not what the King James says. Now, I know there's other translations that say that. The King James says, I can do all things through the anointing which strengthens me. Now, that puts more weight on the anointing, which makes sense, as, Paul, as, as Dale was talking about before he introduced me. Man, you know what? Yeah, give me five more minutes under that anointing. Yeah, man, you can do anything. How, how, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who was then able to go about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. The anointing is God on flesh doing what only God can do. It's that kind of power. So put that, let's plug that in here. What does this say? Well, for the sake of that anointing, for the sake of that anointing and flowing it higher and higher and operating in le higher levels of the anointing, you've got to be kind. And you've got to operate in forgiveness, exercise forgiveness for the sake of the anointing. Glory to God. Now, I want to read this passage in the Amplified Classic version. Now I've got to get over there because I had it marked for something we're going to look at in Joshua here in a little bit. So give me just. And how many of you know Ephesians is not originally a book, it's a letter. So there is no chapter 5, verse 1. So we're going to read down into it, but we're going to start back in chapter 4 and verse. I understand what you were saying, Dave, about being faster, but this is. This is still faster for me. I don't know. I'm like scrolling. And... Okay, so verse 29. Now listen to this. And think about your daily life when the waitresses don't do what you want them to do. When people cut you off in traffic. All of those type situations. Let no foul or polluting language nor evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth. Now that's a lot of descriptions. And that covers a lot of things. But only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others. <laughs> I can think of a lot of comments I've made that were not beneficial to the spiritual progress <laughs> of others. Just being honest here. <clears throat> not only spiritual progress, but it's fitting to the need and occasion. Sometimes you can have the right thing to say, but it ain't the time to say it. And it's not the occasion to say it. That it might be a blessing <laughs> and give grace, God's favor to those that hear it. And do not, Dale, listen to this. Going back to your message last night. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not offend or vex or sadden Him by whom you were sealed, marked, 
branded as God's own, secured for the day of redemption of final deliverance through Christ from evil and the consequences of sin. Let all... How much is all? All. You know, there was a... I believe it was a... uh, uh, Student, a fellow student with Keith Moore that did an intense word study on the word all. I mean, he studied it in the Greek. He studied it in the Hebrew. He studied it in all these languages. And he came to the stunning conclusion that all means all. Let all bitterness and indignation and wrath, passion, rage, bad temper, resentment, anger, animosity, quarreling, brawling, clamor, contention, slander, evil speaking, abusive or blasphemous language be banished from you with all malice, spite, ill will, or baseness of any kind. I think we got a little work to do. And become useful. You know, that's a handy piece of advice right there. Why don't you become useful? Come on now. <laughs> become useful and helpful and kind to one another. Tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, forgiving one another readily and freely. Therefore, be imitators of God. Copy Him Follow His example as well-beloved children imitate their Father and walk in love, esteeming and delighting in one another as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a slain offering and sacrifice to God for you so that it became a sweet fragrance. Wow. (laughs) we got a lot of work to do, but the more... We perfect this fundamental, the stronger our faith will be. Man, golly. All right. You're just thinking, right? Meditate. Selah. Uh Okay. So anyway, uh, yeah. (laughs) Faith will not work in an unforgiving heart. But rest easy. Because remember... Romans 5, 5 says that love has been shed abroad in our heart. It's in there. It's possible. We can do this. It just takes practice. Amen? That's what we're talking about, perfecting the fundamentals. Amen? That means you've got to admit there's something you're not perfect in. Now I done went to meddling. We've got to be honest with the man in the mirror. And uh, say, you know, as good as you are, I mean, you're good looking. It's hard to be humble when you're this good looking. Isn't that right, Dale? It is. Yeah, it's tough. But you got to look that person in the mirror <laughs> right in the eye and say, hey, you got some room for improvement. Now, let's read this, let's read this again and see what we're going to, what, what little bite we're going to take. If you read all these things together, you go, oh, dear Lord, I'm going to go crawl under a rock somewhere. But just take it one step at a time and let the Holy Ghost help you. And you can get them higher from faith to faith, glory to glory, higher and higher. Praise God. All right. Number three. Abraham's blessing cannot be received with Thomas's faith. And we looked at John 20 where uh, Thomas said, uh, I ain't going to believe it. Unless I can put my finger in the holes 
I ain't going to believe. I, he said, actually, I will not believe. Now, that's a big key right there. He could just have easily said, I will believe. I don't understand it, but hey, I know these people. They wouldn't be lying to me. And Jesus said he was coming back. And so I will believe it. It's a decision. It's a choice you can make. But let's look over at Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4 and get some scriptural basis for this and see it in operation or description. Second Corinthians chapter 4. We read verse 13 last night. We, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore we speak. So that ties in with the first uh, principle. Believe it in your heart, say it with your mouth. Now, look down at uh, verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Look at chapter 5, verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Now, I want to tie this in a little bit with the next one, uh, point four. Faith calls things that be not as though they were. A, a lot of people have really tough time in the calling things that be not as though they were. As we get down into it, you'll see more. But they have a, a tough time calling themselves well when it's obvious they're sick. How can I say I'm well and I'm sniffing, sneezing, coughing, hacking, and multitude of other things <laughs> are possible. That would, that would be a lie, Brother David. I mean, I got this thing on my arm. I could see it. You could see it. Everybody can see it. How can I say that I'm well and not sick and I got this thing on my arm? That's a lie. I'm not going to be a liar. Okay, let's straighten this out, scripturally speaking. One part of it was just right there. Verse 18 of chapter 4. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. They're temporary. Now hold your place there and turn over to John chapter 8. No, I mean John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Now wait till you get there because I want you to put your eyes on this. Let me know when you're there. Amen? Okay. 17.17 Sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy Word is truth. This is not His truth. It's not my truth. Not their truth. It's the. It doesn't matter what I say about it. It doesn't matter what he says about it. It doesn't even matter what Bob says about it. I know that's tough. Unless they agree. Then it matters because this is the truth. Now, this, whatever it was, is a fact. I'm not denying that. It's there. I can see it. You can see it. It's there. That's a fact. Facts are temporal. 
They're temporary. You may, you may get up feeling like a dog one day. That's a fact. Next day, you may get up in a great mood feeling like you can win the world. That's a fact. But it was different yesterday. Probably be different tomorrow. But if you stick with the truth, it's impossible to lie. You're not lying. Because this said, by his stripes, I was healed. If I were, I is. That's bad English, but you'll remember it. If I were, I is. That's the truth. So as long as I make my words line up with the truth, it is impossible for it to be a lie. Now, if I'm saying I'm, I'm well and healed, trying to get you to believe it, if I say I'm healed because I believe the truth, ah, uh, now we got the power. You know, one of the reasons it's so, word, so important to know what the Word says and then to put it in your mouth, you are a product of what you say. You're, what you're living today is a product of what you said yesterday or in previous yesterdays. Okay? That's, that's the truth. That's an operating principle. It's never going to change. Okay? Positive or negative? You talk about someone with a green light anointing. You drive Brother Copeland somewhere, man, you're hitting green lights. I'm telling you, you get there five minutes faster than you thought you were because everyone's on the green light. If you call them red lights all the time, it's going to take you a little longer to get there. But here's the key. Romans 1 says that the Gospel is the power of God that produces the salvation package. Renew your mind to that. When you see saved or salvation package in the Bible, I mean, or salvation in the Bible, add package. Just to help renew your mind that we're talking about healing, we're talking about protection, we're talking about deliverance, we're talking about prosperity. That's all part of the salvation package. And every time he says saved or healed, You've got to have that in your mind. The gospel is the power of God. It is the brute force power that produces manifestation of the whole salvation package in our lives. So if that's what, put you, if that's what you put in your mouth, that's what's going to produce it, and that's the power that makes it happen. Amen? So you, put, you start putting these things together. This is why, this is why I like so much about Jesus came to teach the principles and understand the kingdom of God operation. The laws of the kingdom. Well, we're not under the law. Yeah, we are. We're just not under the, the Mosaic law. The New Testament talks about the royal law of love. We read about the law of faith. Romans 8.2 talks about the, the law of the Spirit of life. These are laws. These, the, this whole, you never know what God's going to do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> if you can read. They, this, this is, 
They were hidden. These were mysteries hidden for us, not from us. But they work all the time. But, now, here's something to think about. You take a child, say, I don't know, one, two two years old, okay? You look outside one day, and they're walking along the top of a ledge, like a wall. It's about an eight, ten foot drop. And they're tottering along you know, as best they can. They don't yet understand the laws of physics about gravity. Or the laws of physics about the distance of a fall. All they know is they fall down, they get back up. Hit the floor, get back up, walk a little more, fall down, get back up. But grace and mercy in the Father runs out there and grabs them and then does not instill fear but teaches them and they learn more about the laws of how to function in this physical world. Correct? And they learn all the way up. I mean, they're continuing to learn. Sooner or later, they'll learn about the laws of balance that'll keep that'll allow them to stay up on a bicycle. Somewhere along there, they'll learn more about the laws of buoyancy that allows them to swim. Depending if they're if they're aviation minded, they'll eventually learn on purpose the laws of lift, drag, thrust, gravity that control the laws of flight. Right? They're all the time learning laws. Well, hey, guess what? When you're just born again, and you're a brand new baby in these things, you can get some things pretty wrong. And you can just be doing your best to believe for healing, and it just doesn't seem like, I mean, it doesn't matter what I pray for, I get healed. But you know, (laughs) to whom much is given, much is required. And there will come a time where the Lord expects you to know more about these things. And more about these things. And you take a baby in a church. I know you've experienced this as a pastor. You get a brand new baby in the Lord. They're just learning things and stuff. Man, they get sick. You lay hands on them. Boom. But you take that same person. It's not a set time, but let's just say five, ten years down the road, whatever. They've been listening, teaching. They've been learning. They've been listening, teaching. They've been learning. And they call you up. And one of these fine days, they're going to call you up and say, hey, uh, I got the flu symptoms. Will you come lay hands on me? Yeah, absolutely. Go over there. And Dale has not decreased in faith. He has not decreased in anointing. But he can lay hands on that person. And they don't get Why? Because the Lord expects him to be able to use the laws of the kingdom. So don't get discouraged if you're, no matter what place you're at. If you're at a place where you can walk but you can't ride the bike yet because you don't know those laws. Okay. Keep learning. What I'm saying to you is it's not a it's not just a simple equation for, the, for those of you that like mathematics. It starts off simple because grace and mercy will step in there and go, come on, yeah, yeah, come on, come on. You know, you don't get mad when the toddler says a word wrong the first time. You keep working with them. That is our Heavenly Father. He keeps working with us. He keeps working with us. He keeps working with us. And then there's a point where you go, okay, I'm not holding on anymore. Fly, be free. Amen? 
So keep learning. Keep growing. And it'll keep expanding. And it'll keep growing. That's why I'm talking about the laws of the kingdom. And we are in the kingdom now. They're all our laws. They're all for our benefit. But Wednesday and Sunday, you know, you know in order to learn how to ride the bike and swim and walk and all of the things that we do in this earth, we're in it 24-7. No matter what we do, there's a physical law to be learned from. If I roll a little bit too far this way, I'm falling out of the bed and will hit my, <laughs> my head. Okay? The kingdom is no different. Immerse yourself in the life's manual. Everything you need to know about the kingdom of heaven, the laws in it, and how they operate are right here. And the writer of the book and the teacher of the laws, hey, I may walk in, I may, I may operate in the office of a teacher, but he's the teacher. <laughs> Glory to God. Okay. Amen. Hopefully that encouraged you a little bit. All right. So if you stick with the truth, it will change facts. That's the difference between truth and a fact. Well, isn't a fact and a truth the same thing? Nope. Facts are temporary. Now, if a fact is reiterating a truth, they can be equal. But just because you're calling it a fact, it's really a truth. Facts are temporal. The word is true. So get past that. I'm not telling the truth, saying that I'm healed or I'm well or whatever. Yeah, you are. You are saying the truth. They just don't know it. Because <laughs> they're looking at facts that change. Amen? All right. Number four. Faith calls things that be not as though they were. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 and uh, verse 16. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calls those things which be not as though they were. And then Abraham, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded what he had promised, he was able also to who called things that be not as though they were. The example that he specifically addressed right there is found in uh, Genesis chapter 17. Let's look at it. Genesis chapter 17 and verse 1. When Abram was 90 years old and 9, that's pretty close to 100, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God walk before me and be thou perfect. You know, that was the first time that, that Abram ever heard that name? Look it up. Now, now Moses wrote Genesis. And when he's talking, when he's given a narrative, he talks about the Lord, which is translated. He told Abraham, I am the El Shaddai. 
Whatever you need, I got more than that. Whatever you can think of, I can do more than that. Amen? The name. You know, as there in, in Romans, you don't have to turn back there. Um, I'll read. Most people think verse 21, when they read it in their minds, they think, uh, it, and being fully persuaded that God could do what he said he could do. Or that, that God, being fully persuaded of what God said he would do. But that's not what it says. It said he had to be fully persuaded that what he promised he was able. Well, that's a different deal. Well, what made, what made Abram know that he was able to do it? Because God stepped up and said, I am El Shaddai. Names meant something, particularly back then. And uh, yeah, he had enough power to do anything he promised to do. He was fully persuaded that he was able to do what he promised. And did you know, it's not in my notes, he gave Jesus the name above how many names? All means, that means it encompassed all of God's names in the Old Covenant. From El Shaddai to I am the God that healeth thee to I am the God that prospers you. And every other name is in we have been given the right and the honor and named with that name. My brother and sister, this isn't a magic spell, abracadabra, in the name of Jesus. You've got to have much more knowledge and awareness. That name gives you access and the power to back it up. He achieved that name by mighty conquest. Hell in hell itself. He got it by inheritance. And it was turned around and said, look here. Mm. So, he stepped and said, I am the Almighty God. And uh, by the way, that's my name. And your name's not going to be Abram anymore either. But I'm going to name you Abraham. And I'm going to put my name right there in the middle of it. Because that H-A is... This Named, he named Abram with the name of God. It doesn't just mean father of many nations. It does. But he put For a father of many nations have I made you. Now what was the fact? He didn't have nobody. <laughs> Ishmael over there. What was the truth? Now let me show you another time that he called things that be not as though they were. And this was the other one, Dave, that just, just I wanted to point out. Go to Joshua. You were talking, he, Dave talked this morning about the, or earlier this afternoon, about the children of Israel and not going into the promised land. Well, let's look at when they did go into the promised land. Go to Joshua. And I don't know how many of you realize this, probably all of you, but I'm going to go over it anyway. Because it's a wonderful anchor to your mind when you are speaking the truth, but you haven't seen it turn into fact yet. Okay? Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel, 
Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said to Moses. He already told them he's given them the land. They just too chicken to go take it. But do you know what's on the other side of faith? Go over to chapter 2. Now, how many of you understand Rahab the harlot's in the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews 11? And the Bible makes very pointed uh, issue of calling her Rahab the harlot every time. You know God doesn't have an issue with the harlot part. He can handle that part. It's the church that has a problem with it. Get into God. Alright, so we're talking with, with uh, Rahab here. She's talking to these two. Joshua had enough sense. He didn't send out the same number. He only sent two. <laughs> he said, I ain't dealing with this situation again. We're only going to send two of these guys. And the guys that I know, this, bless God. And uh, she's telling them, now, now, now where are they? They're in Jericho, right? They're scouting out the land. They're, they're, so they are in the land that they were supposed to take 40 years ago, right? That God had given them already, correct? All right, we're on the same page. Okay. <clears throat> Rahab said unto the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Shion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you, for the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and earth beneath. If they would have marched them happy selves in there 40 years ago, they wouldn't have had to fire a shot. They were terrified of them. Their hearts had melted. God had already prepared the way. But He didn't tell them about it. Why? Because they had to walk by faith. When you've got the Word of God, don't you ever be afraid to step out in faith. Because one way or another, God's already prepared the way. Amen? He already... They were terrified! And they hadn't even seen one Israeli, Israelite yet. But their hearts were melted. But it just walked in. Don't ever be afraid to step out. That was the other time your, your message almost got interrupted this morning. <laughs> man, I'm over there, man. I'm squirming in my seat. I was like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Glory to God. <clears throat> this is fun, isn't it? Mylon Lefebvre, is, he's a friend of mine. He told me, he said, you know, if you're a Christian, you're not having fun. You, you ain't doing it right. You need to reevaluate what you're doing. <laughs> you ought to see Dale and I. Well, no, maybe not. Now notice, in Genesis 17.1, he told Abram, you, I have made you a father of many nations. Look over a couple chapters in Genesis 25, and let's look at the power <laughs> of the word in faith. Sarah died. She's 
Years have gone by. She was 127, and she died. Abraham went, buried her. Verse 1, Genesis 25. Then again, Abraham took another wife. Her name was Keturah, and she bare him five more children. We, uh, hey. <laughs> uh, that, that's, that, that power's still at work, I would say. <laughs> five more. Five more children. Years after his body was dead. Don't ever limit what you think God can do. Because you'll be 80 years old running a 20-year-old into the ground. Or you'll be 86, <laughs> go to South Africa for a week, come home for a week, go to England for a week, and is recording TV today. Wow. Don't ever limit what you think God can or cannot do. Five more kids. Bob, I don't want five more. Now. Let alone when I'm a hundred and some odd years old. New, no, new. No. <sighs> My. Okay. So two subpoints there uh, that I want to point at, I wanted to point out. The he considered not his own body. You don't have to reconcile this in your mind. You will. You have to renew your mind. It is the renewing of the mind. As Dave pointed out in, in uh, Romans 12 too, it is the renewing of the mind that will transform your life. But you don't have to wait until your mind is completely renewed. Brother Hagin used to say, you know, you can, you can have faith in your heart and doubt in your mind. Now, you need to work on it and develop it and, tra and transform or uh, renew your mind to the Word so that everything, your whole spirit, soul, body can be in agreement. But you don't have to wait until your mind is completely on board <laughs> if your heart, if, if faith is in your heart. Step out there. The other thing I want to point out, you notice that phrase, it's very interesting to me. It said, in verse 18 of Romans chapter 4, who against hope believed in hope. Now, if you've been around the word of faith for a long time, uh, sometimes there's been a kind of a disparagency towards uh, hope, like it's not important or that it's something you have to get past to actually get into faith. And that's just not true. Not Bible hope, anyway. Bible, the definition of hope is the Bible definition of expectation, anticipation, or confidence. Um, a good, two good pictures of that expectation. You know, remember when you were a little kid and uh, it was coming Christmas time and grandma and grandpa were coming? But you didn't know exactly when. And man, if you were anything like me, every car you heard, you're running to that front window. Is that them? Is that them? You were expecting them any minute. Okay, that's Bible hope. Anticipation. Here's a good illustration of anticipation. Grandma's in the kitchen making your favorite, whatever, fill in the blank, cake, pie, uh, roast beef, whatever, pot roast, whatever. We were having such a godly moment there. <laughs> and we had to introduce evil. <clears throat> and you 
you go out into the kitchen and you attempt to sample some, what happens? Get out of here. It's not ready yet. So you go back in, put on the Steelers or Eagles game, but you're smelling it. And you're salivating and nobody's rung a bell. You are anticipating what you're fixing to have, but you didn't have it yet. It's not on your plate, but you know it's just a matter of minutes and you're going to be enjoying some of grandma's stuff. That's Bible hope. You may not see it in the driveway. You may not see it in your body, but you know that you know that you know that you know. I'm smelling healing. <laughs> I'm smelling healing. It's happening. And it can coexist with your faith that it has already taken place because it has already been granted in the Spirit. It's yours. So faith and hope actually can work together and they're listed. It's not my, it's not my, my message on hope, but it's actually listed together. Hebrews 3.6, Romans 5.2, Colossians 1.23 all list faith and hope concurrently. So don't let, renew your mind to that. Renew your mind to have hope. <laughs> it's not only okay, you got to have it. You have to have it. It's an overlooked fundamental of faith. Because faith is the substance of faith. So don't let anybody tell you not to get your hopes up. Jack them up just as high as you can get them. Now, uh, I want to backtrack. I want actually. I want to. I want to address something to who may not have heard some of these things before. This may be the first time you're hearing about the fundamentals of faith. But why do I say that? Why am I so adamant about that? Well, that's what I want to go. On. Why? Study. This is not on the outline. This is something totally different. It's not one of the fundamentals. I'll get back to the fundamentals in a minute. But I need to answer the question, especially for the younger people. Why study faith? Why is it so important? Well, just you can just make notes of these if you want to read the Scripture references. Number one, <clears throat> it is impossible, not difficult, it is impossible to please God without faith. Hebrews 11.6. So if you want to please God, you have to have faith. Number two, you cannot be saved without faith. Ephesians 2.8. Number three, you cannot walk the Christian walk without faith. 2 Corinthians 5.6 and 7. Number four, you cannot fight the Christian fight without faith. 1 Timothy 6.12 and 2 Timothy 4.7. I'll take a pause there. For, <laughs> I know I'm going really, really fast. But I do, I think it's very interesting. The letters to Timothy are Paul writing to his spiritual son who is the pastor of a church instructions on how to operate kingdom business. If you ever feel the need for a minister's conference and there's not one handy, read First and Second Timothy what it is and he felt it important enough to include in both letters to Timothy that 
you cannot fight the Christian faith without a sufficient Christian fight without faith. Number five, you cannot overcome the world without the faith. Without faith, First John five one through four. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Number six, whatever is not of faith is sin. Romans fourteen twenty three. Now that, more than any other, ought to be a good reason to study faith. Because whatever is not of faith is sin. Again, that reference is Romans 14, 23. Number seven, you cannot stand without faith. 2 Corinthians 1, 24. Romans eleven twenty. Number eight, the gift of righteousness is by faith. Romans 10, 6. Romans 3.22. In Romans 1.17. Number nine, you cannot function in grace without faith. Romans 4.16, Ephesians 2.8, and Romans 5.1-2. Number ten, the Word does you no good without faith. Hebrews 4.2 and 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Number eleven, you cannot live the Christian life without faith. Now this is something that's spoken in both covenants, the first covenant and the second covenant in multiple places. Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, Hebrews 10.38, and Habakkuk 2.4 all say exactly the same thing and that is the just shall live by faith. Number 12, one cannot quench the fiery darts of the wicked without faith. Ephesians 6.16 and number 13, one cannot receive the blessing of Abraham without faith. Galatians 3.13 and 14. That is 13 reasons and many, many scriptures of why it is so vitally important that we learn the law and all of the intricacies around it. Amen? Amen. Hey, some of you may not have known this. And like I said, we're perfecting the fundamentals. Back to the fundamentals. Number five and the last one. Faith demands corresponding action. Turn with me to James. James chapter 1 and verse 22. Be you doers of the Word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. You must put action with your faith. Now, he continues over in chapter 2, or further in the letter. And if you look at chapter 2, verse 14, What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and have not works? Can faith save him? Now, I know we're not saved by faith, by works. But that's not what this is talking about. The Weymouth New Testament Bible really, in my estimation, puts it the clearest. In verse 14 of chapter 2 in the Weymouth Bible, it says, What good is it, my brethren, if a man professes to have faith and yet his actions do not correspond? We're talking about corresponding action is necessary 
for faith. As a matter of fact, he says it again. That was uh, verse 14, verse 17. So also faith, if it is unaccompanied by corresponding actions, obedience, works, it has no life in it so long as it stands alone. And then again in verse 26, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works or corresponding action is dead also. <clears throat> like that? Dr. Mark Barclay. I don't, have every, anybody heard of Dr. Mark Barclay? Okay, good. His timer, he has his timer on his phone, is TAPS. He's former military. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it, it starts going off and he, he goes up and he picks it up and puts his hand. <laughs> He's like, another message has died. <laughs> Faith demands corresponding action. And as we, as we wrap up here, turn over to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched His garment. For she said, If I may touch but His clothes, I shall be whole. Sozo, the whole salvation package. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Jesus, immediately knowing in Himself that virtue or power had gone out of Him, turned about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And the disciples thought He was a little nuts and said unto Him, Thou see the multitude thronging you? And said, Who touched me? Ah, but she was the one that touched in faith. And He looked around about to see her that had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before Him and told Him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of that plague. Did she believe it in her heart? The Word came. Faith came. Did she say it with her mouth? Yeah, she spoke it. Did she have a forgiving heart? We talked about this yesterday. Those physicians are the reason she was destitute, poor, and, had, and, and didn't improve at all. But yet, we know from Mark 11 that faith does not work with there's, when there's unforgiveness there. And Jesus Himself, the Master, said it was her faith, not His, nor His anointing. It was her faith. We know it was the anointing that was the power that produced the manifestation of the healing, but it was her faith that made a draw on the anointing. So it was her faith that made her whole. So she had to have forgiven the physicians. Was healing a part of the Abrahamic blessing? Yeah, it was. Deuteronomy 28. Did she call things that be not as though she, they were? Or did anybody involved it? Yeah. She has, your faith has made you sozo. I doubt if somebody came up and stuffed money, the stuff the money that she spent on those physicians in her hand at that moment. She didn't see that part yet. But Jesus said, has made you 
whole. It was coming. That money was showing up because she was going to be whole, not healed, whole. Did she put corresponding action with it? She could have died for it. They had the right to kill her for being out with the issue of blood. She put corresponding action with her faith in God. She did. Every one of the fundamentals was involved in that healing. Now, Brother Hagen had multiple visitations. I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up. I really am. And I, by faith, that clock's going backwards, so I'm no deductions. Brother Hagen had multiple visions from the Lord, and one of them, he said, I'm missing something about this. When I preach about it, Jesus said, yeah, you are. <laughs> and so anyway, he, he filled in some things about him and everything. And then Jesus told him this. Anyone that will do these four things that she did anywhere can have anything that they need or desire from God. It's a big statement. He said, now write these down. <laughs> Number one, she said it. Number two, she believed it. Number three, she did it. But don't leave out number four. She told it. This gospel shall be preached with a word. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and the word of their testimony. I don't care if it's a small thing like you went out to your car this morning and there wasn't a spot on the windshield that you thought you were going to have to clean off. Man, tell somebody. Man, man, look, I don't know what happened. Maybe it was an angel came, wiped it off in the middle of the night. I don't know, but God did it. Hey, they can't prove it wasn't. You can't prove necessarily it was. <laughs> But give God the glory for everything. If it wasn't for Him, we wouldn't have been able to put our shoes on this morning. Every breath we take, thank you for everything. Who you are, for what you've done. God, tell it. Tell it. Tell it. Man, every time, not every time whole lot of times we get off the airplane or we go in somewhere or something like that when my brother Copeland he'll be walking by somebody saying do you know Jesus is coming soon we get varied responses most of the time though is yeah every now and then it's like okay every now and then it's like yeah I don't know every time they say I don't know I want to say have you looked around <laughs> hey let's get real with this let's teach them how to walk through this unscathed Dale if you don't come up here I'm just going to keep going do something quick thank you thank you thank you so much <clears throat> I cannot tell you how much I appreciate y'all and uh, I know I, I, I give you a little hard time about being quiet sometimes, but sometimes I could hear the wheels turning. I could hear the digestive juices working. Glory to God.
I want to just say prophetically for you as a people to understand and receive it. You won't understand everything. But for whatever reason, in God's plan, he used this ministry to come alongside this ministry mm -hmm. in a shift. Mm -hmm. And there's a powerful, powerful anointing that we can receive if we're willing to receive it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want it. And you know the word receive. Yeah. Receiver. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She'll take it. The faith that takes. Yeah. Think about it. Think about your yeah. favorite wide receiver. Didn't just passively like, hey, there's somebody out there trying to keep him from catching the ball. Mm -hmm. He fights to receive. Yeah. He takes it. I'm still. You ever have? I, sensation of falling and you just never hit the ground sometimes that's how I feel like with a revelation and the in him truth that we're in him so much that's in me or so, so much about this ministry is because of the influence of Kenneth Copeland your spiritual father though I was distantly removed, uh, still recipient of that anointing and that truth uh, from, from not just Brother Copeland. You know, Brother Hagen affected you just as well mm -hmm. and many of, of us in this room. Mm -hmm. That creates an in-him environment because it goes all the way back to Jesus. It's his anointing, his tr teaching, training, his living word that we're sowing and reaping and sowing and reaping. And that in him continues to expand because the victory of Jesus in you, it's, it's still a part of Jesus. And so Paul talks about it. He said, I'm an apostle and I may have been sleeping in a ditch and abandoned and suffering, and you, but you're living as kings. He's in him. I'm not verbalizing it, but our victories, his victories, my victory, my victories, his victory, your victories, my victory, my victories, your victory. We share in this. We're sharers in all of God's glory. And none of us get any. May I, may I have just a moment this just rose up big on me to, to share this. And I, I missed it. He told me earlier. I, I addressed the younger people. May I tell you one story about a failure on my part for you? Would you allow me maybe two minutes? A number of years ago, 2015. You don't do it right, brother. Who will give him two minutes? Yeah, see, I thought about that, but I didn't want to, like, you know, infringe on copyrighted. So you got two, four, so yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> 2015, I was with Brother Copeland on a, a we did a Columbia, South Carolina meeting every year for a number of years. And we were there at that meeting. And a lot of the staff was, had come down with just a nasty nasal sinuses, uh, lungs, just a nasty thing. And I don't think this way, but the thought came to me, you better try to keep your distance. You don't want to catch this. Yeah. Now the fig tree talked to Jesus and he answered 
Mm -hmm. Well, that thought just talked to me. And I heard the answer inside come up. And the answer was, no, it's impossible for me to get sick. And it came up and it got right about here. And my mind went, that's pretty arrogant. And I didn't say it. Now, I, as Dale said, I've been with Brother Cole and I've traveled with him for 25 years now. But George and Terry Pearson started babysitting me in 1976. I have been around the ministry since I was ideal. I do not, I cannot tell you the number of messages that I have heard on the authority of the belief. Who you are in Christ Jesus. And yet, after all of those years, it rose up, it came here, and I didn't say it. I didn't say it. And within two hours or so, I was so sick. I was so sick. And it didn't take my lightning fast mind long to catch on to what I had done. And so I repented. And then claimed my healing. I spoke what they answered. I answered the victory. And I don't know, maybe by the next morning for sure, uh, all, yeah, all the symptoms were gone. I was fine. Uh, but anytime something like that happens, debrief with the Lord. Say, okay, I missed it. I messed up. Fix me. And um, so he's, he dealt with me a lot of things which prepared me for COVID. And, um, but my point is, I don't care how long you've been around these things. They need to be in you and they need to be refreshed. You need to continually be going over them because they, otherwise they become tradition to you. <laughs> a little secret, Zach. Zach has known it. You know, it's all dads anyway. So, you got anything? I hope so. <laughs> I want you to minister what you have, but minister to him. We want to bless him. My friends, I just ask you to stretch out your hands for the vessel of honor. Oh, my God. Lord, we stand with you in total agreement for the assignments, the will, the call, the divine purposes that rest upon this vessel of honor. Lord, we thank you for that which you've deposited within him. We thank you for the grace that you've imparted into him for equipping him for this season of time and for the things that lie ahead of him. Lord, we give you praise right now for that grace will always be sufficient for him to run the race. To hit the mark, to hit the bullseye of the call that is upon his life. We as our model, we stand in agreement with you, sir. With your will, your call, your divine purpose, the anointing, the ministry gift and the increase of the gifts that are within him. We thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit, who is his teacher, his guide, his revelator, his comforter, his peace giver, and the revealer of the things that lie ahead. So we stand for the illumination that will be needed for the season that lies ahead, for the increase of the anointing upon his eyes to be able to see into the spirit realm as he ministers. 
for the gifts that have been dormant for season. But Lord God, will be released with power and demonstration. Lord, that there will be an increase of the healing anointing. There will be an increase and a release of the miracle flow of the gifts of the working of miracles that will flow through this vessel as he ministers the word of God with power and demonstration. Lord, I thank you that you send your word and you will heal and you will restore and you will build and raise up the church in this day and this hour with the revelation that he will take to the nations. I thank you, Father, for the anointing upon his feet as he runs with the gospel that has been imparted into him with the increase of the revelation that you've given him. And Lord God, that you will be able to flow in him and through him so that he can pour out and there won't be anything, anything that will be missing, nothing that will be broken. But Father, there will be a shalom that will be manifested because the glory of God will be seen, will be heard, will be known, and will become more tangible than he's ever known it before. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this gift of God. We honor him today. We thank you, Father, that we as Armada are in agreement with you, sir. The Lord, I bless him. We bless him. And we thank you for allowing him to be a part of us. In the name of Jesus. I want to say by the Spirit, while Bob was ministering, it became very crystal clear to me something I'd been looking at since we... We're together for some private time in Ukraine. That I, I just will tell you by the Spirit, there's an aspect of the anointing that you've touched that you're unsure of because it isn't the same as that which you've walked beside for 25 years because it's coming deeper or higher up the ladder. It's Oral Roberts anointing and when he began to prophesy about healing there's things we've talked about that you need to take further because brother copeland's not where he's at just because of himself but further we have to see what god is doing through generations that those generations not be lost See, Timothy, Paul told Timothy that choose men who are faithful, who will be able to teach others also. So don't forget Grandpa. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up on our feet. And uh, we're so blessed. You got more? There's been things that I've dripped upon you, a refreshing, an encouragement, things that I've deposited in seasons of time as you've walked with me and as you've talked with me and as you've followed me in the simplicity of faith. But the faith has increased because there's been a stirring, there's been an unsettlement in many, many of your hearts, even here in this place. But things are starting to settle because there will be a new birth.
a birth because things that need to come forth are going to come forth, but they're going to come forth by faith. As you apply that which you have received today, understand as you do and you follow the footsteps that I've already ordered for you, you're going to find that you walk into a place and all of a sudden things are going to become tangible, real, and very visible to you by faith. So you walk by faith, you will be removed from the circumstances, and I will set you into a place of observation in the Spirit. And when you see things by the Spirit, you can obtain things by the faith that you apply in the practicalities of your life. And as you go step by step, understand the vision that many of you have been carrying year after year after year, or month after month after month, or day after day after day. This is the season and this is the time for the fulfillment of what needs to take place, for the harvest is waiting for my people to run into the harvest because my people are praying for the Lord. He is there praying to me, he saith, and understanding that there's going to be a release of harvesters for this season like no generation has ever seen. So step out of the normal. Step out of what's been comfortable and step into me, into the place where each and every one of you belong, and I will comfort you. I will strengthen you. I will equip you so that I can thrust you out into where you need to be in times and seasons and at the right time so that the harvest will come forth to me, saith the Spirit of grace. And there's an anointing here, and I don't mean just this moment, but this, this particular landmark, this particular time of getting away from your other Commitments, demands, distractions, responsibilities, where I believe the Lord will show you influences in your life where you, where you drop the baton. And, uh, of course, I don't know them. No one knows them. But you know them. When my youngest was in high school, he went into track. Well, I didn't, I, I never been to a track meet in my life. And he was running the relay. And I, so I, for me, it was interesting to watch my first relay race with my youngest son. And a, another parent grabbed me and said, well, this, this boy here, he's a state champion and everyone's watching him come with me around this part of the, he's going to be the last one. And boy, he's going to burn them all. He's so fast. Come over here. So we went to the right place on the fence to watch this last boy take the baton and finish the race and go on to stage. And he was ready to go, and here comes the, the other kid. You know, my son ran, I think, in the beginning part of it. And here comes this kid with the baton. I'm going to hand it off to the fastest kid. And they, they missed it. They dropped the baton. Didn't even win the race. And, it, and I stood there, and the Spirit of God just rang my bell. We've all had influences of anointing. Maybe your grandfather. 
Maybe your mother that prayed over. Maybe your Sunday school teacher. Maybe some youth leader. Maybe some friend at Bible college that studied with you. Maybe some worker or co-worker that brought you to Jesus. You've had people bring influences into your life and you learn things from them. That's God's plan, isn't it? And I really believe God will stir you up. And if you're honest with yourself, you'll realize the few times you've dropped the baton. But you can pick it up. You can pick it up and run the race that God has for you. He owns the racetrack. We'll run it again. We'll play until the devil's under our feet. Somebody said, when's Jesus coming back? When the devil's under our feet. I mean, it's pretty clear. And part of that's wrapped up in preaching this gospel in all the world. Because victory isn't just so you drive a better car and have a better house. Victory is so you got, you got the victorious life to take you where you need to be and proclaim the gospel and set people free. Amen? Amen. I want to encourage you to the healing anointing settled in here last night. Yeah. It did. It, big time. And it's still here. And I anticipate it probably be here the rest of this week. Uh, reach out. If you need healing in your body, take it. Take it. You want me to after after we conclude? You want to let hands laid on you? I'll be more than glad to do that. It's scriptural, but a healing anointing settled in here so heavy last night. Well, let's lay hands on the sick tonight. You got hands? That's right. We're <laughs> any hands out there? Yeah. Well, let's lay hands on the sick tonight. That'll work right right into the flow. I'm blessed. Y'all blessed? Yes. Amen. Are we blessed, Bob? Are we ready to go home?